Romans chapter 1 and um, just with different things going on in the world, different thoughts and things like that. This is where the Lord's got me this morning for us. <coughs> and uh, I pray that you can follow my scattered thoughts this morning as I'm just trying to belabor something that I've already preached here, I've already taught here, um, I've already, uh, Romans 1.16 says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. Uh, I preached a whole message just on that one verse about salvation and the importance of the gospel and all that, but just, I don't know, just recently there's been some things that just pointed me back to this, and I just wanted to start right there in verse 1 of Romans chapter 1 and try and look at some, a very key some very key components in this chapter to help support how we can truly be bearers of the gospel, go out with the gospel to reach others, and the importance of the gospel going to reach all the world. Um, one of the most quoted Bible verses is John 3.16, For God so loved the world um, that He gave His only begotten Son. It's hard It'd be, it'd be wrong for us to withhold that gospel of love and peace and hope that Christ came and died for the world, withhold that from the world because we don't carry it out to the world. And so here, as Paul's writing this letter to the church in Rome, and uh, for some background here, you've you got to keep in mind that Rome was not just any other city. Rome was like the pinnacle of, of political and societal and philosophical and they, they, they had it all. They thought they were, uh, I was about to say the bee's knees, but that's definitely not a phrase anybody uses anymore. Um, <laughs> they, were, they, they, were, they were top dog. They were, you know, they were it. And Rome had everything. You know, we, we hear the phrase, Rome wasn't built in a day. Well, that's because Rome was a very great and powerful city. It was a great and powerful empire, if you will. They had everything that the world had to offer, if you ask them. They had the money, they had the prestige, they had, they had the, the events, you know, the games in Rome. You had, you had all this. And here, yet there's a church growing there. There's a church that was birthed and it's growing there. To the point that Paul writes a letter to them to encourage them in the gospel. To encourage them where they're at to continue in the gospel. And right there in verse 1, it says, Paul, a servant of Jesus Christ, called to be an apostle, separated unto the gospel of God. And right there in the very first verse, he, just introducing himself, he's writing a letter to all these people who are typically going to be the, the highfalutin crowd. They've got everything they won't need. And he says, hey, I'm Paul. I'm just a servant of the Lord. I... I I understand that y'all see me as I was the Pharisee of Pharisees. I understand that y'all see me as, as the one that God's called to be an apostle, an apostle out of due time who was not even able to walk with him on this earthly ministry. Yet here he is. He's used me. He's completely turned me from the persecutor of churches to the planter of churches. I know, I know many look at me as this, this, this great man who just stepped out on faith and completely 180 from who I was before Christ and but just to be honest, I'm just a servant of the Lord. And I got to, y'all know me, I like to study words because um, I'm not a very intelligent fellow, so I look things up to make sure I understand what I'm reading. And that word servant, um, we, we could 
without looking it up, you could just look at servant and you could apply it in many different ways. Um, how many times have we heard about, you know, masters and servants being related to employees and employers? You know, we, we, we make that correlation here. But here that word servant comes from the word, I'm going to, miss, I'm going to butcher the way it's pronounced, but it's doulos, D-O-U-L-O-S, which means a slave, bondman, or a man of servile condition. Basically, it's not just a servant, but a true slave, a bond slave, one who has bound themselves to their master, one who has bound their will to the one that they serve. Paul is not just saying here that I'm a servant, that I'm serving the Lord. He's saying that I've given up my will to fulfill the will of the master. He's saying that, hey, I'm lowly. I'm nothing but a messenger of the Lord, as he continues on with, called to be an apostle. And, you know, so he's, he's bound himself to the Lord. He, he's given over his will to fulfill the will of God. And before we go any further, um, I think that's something that American Christianity is lacking, is that desire to give up their will for the will of God. Um, and if I'm honest, there's times that I have to remind myself that my will should come secondary to the will of God. And not that I, I wish evil things or sinful things but sometimes my will could be a good idea but if it's not God's idea it doesn't matter my will should be second to God's will but he's saying here Paul a servant of Jesus Christ called to be an apostle called to be a, a, a messenger called to be the one delivering a message for the master and then he says separated unto the gospel of God and we could, again, the word separated. How many of you have heard that uh, being sanctified is being separated for a specific purpose? I'm not saying that's a wrong definition, but sanctified is to be set apart and separate. Here, this word separate actually comes from, again, another Greek word that I looked up because I like to understand everything I'm looking at. And here Paul is describing himself as a servant, a messenger. Or he's, a, he's a bond slave, a messenger. But this last one, the, the separated unto the gospel, it comes from aphorizo, A-P-H-O-R-I-Z-O. And that word basically means to separate, to mark off on boundaries. But I also found out that's the same term that was used to describe the Pharisees because they, they set themselves apart to the law. And it's interesting that Paul uses that same word, that same phrasing, because he was a Pharisee of Pharisees, but he specifically said that I'm separated unto the gospel of God. I saw where one commentator said that Christians today would do good to be Pharisees, just not the way they were in the Bible, but the way that Paul described himself here. Ones that are separate and set apart for the cause of Christ, for the gospel itself, instead of like the Pharisees of the Bible, set apart to a certain set of standards or a certain law or a certain trying to be set apart and above everyone else. How about just be set apart to the cause of the gospel, to the cause of Christ? And, and Paul, that's how he introduces himself as he's writing this letter. If, if you, as we go through, we, we may go through the whole book of Romans. I don't know how far we'll go. I know this morning we're going to look at this, though. But 
as you, as you go through the book of Romans, you'll see it's directly geared towards uh, salvation, towards the gospel. There's a lot of, of course, the gospel is all throughout Scripture, but this is very pointed about salvation, this, this whole book of Romans. And there's a reason that Paul wrote it because, again, keep in mind, the, the church at Rome is dealing with people who have everything they need, have everything they could ever want. They're the smartest, the richest, the wealthiest, the most pow powerful politically and societal. Uh, they, they've got all this stuff, but they're missing Christ. And Paul comes, comes and, or sends this letter introducing himself as not some great philosopher, not some great political power, not some great uh, a religious leader, but simply a servant with a simple message that is separated unto the gospel, that is specific to the gospel. The, the one thing about a servant, one that's become a bond slave, if you will, as that uh, doulos or doulos, uh, one that literally says, devoted to another to the disregard of one's own interest. This message that he's delivering is not a message of his own design, which he says in the next verse, which he had promised afore by his prophets in the Holy Scriptures. He's talking about how many prophecies in the Old Testament pointed to this Savior who came and was crucified. He's saying, the gospel that I'm separated unto, this message of hope that I'm bringing you, that I'm, I'm just delivering the message of my Master, not my own design, not my own desire, but the, the desire of the Master, I'm bringing this to you, and it's the same hope that was promised in the Old Testament. It's the same hope that was proven in the Gospels. Here's, here's your alliteration for the morning. And it's the same hope that's preached in the church, or at least it should be. It's that gospel of Christ, that gospel of God, the gospel of the Savior that came and died for us. It's the same gospel that was told you in the Old Testament. He, all he's doing is just trying to bring that message. He says, concerning his son, Jesus Christ, our Lord, which was made of the seed of David according to the flesh, and declared to be the Son of God with power according to the Spirit of holiness by the resurrection from the dead, by whom we have received grace and apostleship for obedience to the faith among all nations for His name, among, among whom are ye also called of Jesus Christ to all that be in Rome, beloved of God, called to be saints, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. He, he's Again, he's trying to encourage them, here I am, just a humble messenger of the Lord, bringing you and reminding you of this message of hope and peace and praying grace towards you as you're in this place of Rome. And I, I can't help, but when I look at Rome as it was in the, in when Paul was writing this, I can't help but see a reflection of America today. I, I was just looking at different things and you know there's things that even the poorest people in America today have that the richest people in some other countries would hope and dream they had I, and I don't mean necessarily the homeless people living on the street but even some of the homeless people living on the streets are better off than some of the people with a house in a third world country uh, America while it is declining I'm not trying to get political 
while it is declining, it is still a very, I, I say blessed, but I'm not sure it's blessed. I think it's just man's doings at this point. But a, a very uh, a, a, a rich nation. And it's proven by the spoiled attitude of, this, of the people of this nation. And how, how arrogant do you think the people of Rome were? Just as arrogant as those people of, the, of America today that say we don't need God, we look at all we have. So, of course, Paul is saying, look, I, as a humble servant, I'm just, I, I, I'm sending the grace of God to you in my prayers. I, I'm, I'm trying to encourage you because you're fighting an uphill battle. You're trying to go out there with the same gospel that I received to a people that have no desire to receive anything because they have it all. <clears throat> Verse 8, he says, First, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for you all, that your faith is spoken of throughout the whole world. He's saying, I, while I'm sending this encouragement, while I'm sending this letter to you, I want to start off by thanking you for being faithful. In today's world, it's real easy for somebody to say, yeah, I, I could see what happened over in China last week in church because it was all over social media. Right before the cops busted in and kicked in the door, those folks, they were sitting there and they were just praising the Lord and preaching the gospel and then the doors were kicked in and they took some and they left some and guess what, those that, that were left, that guess I heard that they're having church again today. Man, we can praise them for their faithfulness. That's real easy because we live in a, a world of instant communication. But here they didn't have that. Everything was word of mouth or handwritten and still delivered by hand. It says that your faith is spoken of throughout the whole world. This church in Rome, in this over-consumeristic place, uh, this, this uh, very arrogant, prideful place, their faith was spoken of throughout the whole world, throughout the whole known world. That means somebody carried the message, hey, there's this group of Christians meeting in Rome that are making a difference. And that was carried all the way across throughout everywhere that Paul could have even reached to. That this one church, when had everything against it, was still standing was still fighting the good fight, was still standing for, for the faith, was still being faithful to what God has called them to do. He's, he continues on in verse 9, For God is my witness, whom I serve with my spirit in the gospel of His Son, that without ceasing I make mention of you always in my prayers. Was it 1 Thessalonians 5.17, Pray without ceasing, that Paul wrote to the church Thessalonica? It's... So Paul was encouraging the church of Thessalonica to do something that he already told Rome that he was already doing. That he's not ceasing to pray. He's continuing in continual prayer for those that are faithful. He's, continue, he's continually in prayer for those that are not faithful. He's praying for all those. He's praying for those that are lost. He's praying for those that are redeemed. He's praying for those that are struggling. He's praying for those that are at peace. He's, he's living a life of prayer, but here he's, he's letting them know, hey, I want y'all to know your faith is spoken of all throughout the world and I'm praying that y'all will continue. He says, making request if by any means now at length I might have a prosperous journey by the will of God to come unto you. For I long to see you that I may impart unto you some spiritual gift to the end that you may be established. 
<coughs> that is, that I may be comforted together with you by the mutual faith of you and me. Now I would not have you ignorant, brethren, that oftentimes I purposed to come unto you, but was let hitherto that I might also that I might have some fruit among you also, even as among other Gentiles. He's saying his prayer has been simply this, that y'all would continue and that I would be able to come and join y'all in the worship, in the work, in, in, in the faith, because my prayer is that y'all would continue to see fruit, but also so I can come and see fruit too. So I can be a part of the work there. He's All this, he, he's just simply a servant of God delivering the message of, Keep on, keep it on. Delivering the message of, I'm here to encourage you and, and to, to push you and to drive you because one day my prayer is that the Lord will allow me to be there with you. He said that he already wanted to be there and tried to be there. I purposed to come unto you but was let hitherto. For some reason he could not be there. And we could look at many reasons. I mean, how many times was he imprisoned? For the gospel's sake. How many times was he caught in a storm for while trying to deliver the gospel somewhere? How many times was he caught? I don't want to say like caught like this, but like stuck. What's the word I'm looking for? That he stayed a little bit longer to encourage someone else a little bit longer where they were at. All while he had a desire to be with this growing church in Rome. And, and he's doing all this to encourage them. <clears throat> and then verse 14, he, he says this, I am a debtor both to the Greeks and to the barbarians, both to the wise and to the unwise. He said, I, I owe a debt. And he described the Greeks and the barbarians um, according to the Greeks who were the, the, the cream of the crop with philosophy. You know, they were the smartest ones. But in their mind anyway. But they said, he said, to the Greeks and to the barbarians. Well, according to the Greeks, if you weren't one of the Greeks, then you were just as smart as any barbarian. And to the wise and to the unwise. Now, Paul's using some very pointed descriptions of people, but also it's very broad descriptions of people. Um, anyone who's wise in their own mind is going to assume that everyone else is unwise unless they agree with them. What Paul's saying here is, I'm a debtor to all. What he's not saying is that he's a debtor to Christ. I've heard some people say he owed the debt to go and do No, he owed a debt to others to give them the same free hope and the free gift of salvation, to, to offer them that free gift of, of the good news of the gospel. He owed a debt to everyone because he got it freely. How is it? I know I'm not one to usually say things need to be fair, but how is it fair or right or even acceptable to just hoard that to himself? He was a debtor to the Greeks, a debtor to the barbarians, a debtor to the wise, a debtor to the unwise. He continues on, so as much as in, as in me, I am ready to preach the gospel to you that are at Rome also. So he's saying, I owe the gospel to everyone. And I'm ready to bring it to y'all too. Now, I want to stop right there for a, for a side note. Who is Paul writing to? He's writing to the church at Rome, right? If I'm wrong, correct me. But he's writing to the church, is he not? 
So he's writing to a group of believers. And he's saying, I'm ready to preach the gospel to you that are at Rome also. So he's saying that he's ready to preach the gospel to a group of believers. That's not to say that they need the gospel because they need to be saved. Y'all know how much the gospel, uh, the gospel can encourage another believer? Hearing the gospel preached by somebody else or shared by somebody else? I know I've said this before. You can't give the gospel to the wrong person. And I, and I, use, the, I use the mentality of, you know, if you give it to a lost individual, then they've heard the gospel and they, they've had the opportunity to receive Christ. And if you give it to a lost or, or a born-again believer who's, who's just struggling, then you've encouraged them that they're not alone in the battle. And if you give it to a backslidden Christian, someone who's walked away from their faith, then they're convicted to turn back to Christ, or at least convicted whatever they do with it is up to them, between them and the Holy Spirit. But you can't give the gospel to the wrong person. And what, that's what he's saying here is, look, y'all have been faithful. Your faith has been spread about all the world. And I'm ready to come be a part of the work that y'all are doing there. But I'm also ready to come and preach the gospel. Why would he need to preach the gospel to a bunch of people who are serving faithfully? Other than to encourage them to continue in the gospel. Yes, we've got the whole counsel of God. We've got 66 books of his word that we can study and we can, we can learn. We can look at history like we have been doing on Thursday nights, looking at the historical records. We can, we, we can go through and... We, we can learn all the parables. We can, learn, we can learn a lot of wisdom and knowledge. But every bit of this should be able to point back to Christ. Every bit of this should be able to point back to the gospel. And that's what Paul's doing here. He's saying, as a servant, as a nobody, I'm just, I just want to deliver a message of the gospel. As a nobody, delivering my master's message... I'm ready to come bring it to you to encourage you. <coughs> Again, verse 16 says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. He's saying, you know, there's no reason to be ashamed of the gospel, and I'm not going to re-preach that whole message. There's, there's no reason to be ashamed of the gospel because it's not in our power anyway. Remember, he started off by saying, I'm a servant. I'm just a bond slave to God. I'm just bringing his, the master's message to you. So there's no reason for me to be shameful of the message because I'm not the one that wrote it. I'm just bringing the same message that the master sent. If you don't like it, y'all know the phrase, don't kill the messenger. Um, there's a lot of people that want to kill the messenger because they're mad at the one who sent the message. The good news is you can rest in the fact that they're not mad at you. They're mad at the message that was delivered. They're mad at the gospel. They're mad at the God of the gospel. But we have no shame in it if we're just the messenger the way we're supposed to be. Verse 17, for therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith. As it is written, the just shall live by faith. I don't want to go too much further. But all Paul is doing here 
is encouraging them, reminding them to keep the faith, to keep moving forward. And he says, because it, it all boils down to, if we're going to live by faith, then we have to live by faith. We have to live by trusting Him. Yes, you're in a place where the whole world comes through. The, the, everybody looks to Rome. How many, historically, looking at how many innovations were brought out through the Roman Empire. That the, the, we talk about, I don't mean the spiritual Roman, Romans road, but the, the Roman roads that were built and designed, and they've been, they, they've been like almost the, the foundation for, not today's roads, today's roads are worse than the roads in Rome, but they, they've been the foundation for innovating new roads throughout history. The, the aqueducts in Rome were innovated to bring us plumbing. So many things in Rome were brought forth through history. So it was a, it was a prominent place. And in the midst of, of all this trying to gain, he's trying to encourage them to continue to give. And not, not finance, not, not anything, but just give the gospel. Give hope. Give that light. The first part of this whole chapter right here, that's almost, that's basically half the, the first, half of the first chapter all the way up to that verse, is it, simply this. Keep on keeping on. Keep moving forward with the gospel. Keep being the messenger. Keep As I'm the messenger, Paul said, follow me as I follow Christ. He's, he's more or less saying the same thing here. I'm not ashamed of the gospel, and clearly y'all are not either. So let's just keep living by faith. Let's just keep following the Lord. Let's just keep moving forward. And again, I, I, I can't help but think of Rome then... And then look at, I don't want to say America now, maybe America 10 years ago. Where the world was looking to us 20 years ago. But even now, America still has a lot more than it deserves. And we do live in a world full of people who they have, again, uh, I think historically and during this time, the, the Roman people celebrated 150, 160 annual holidays. majority of them were devoted to either sporting events or all the false gods that they invented because they just accepted any god that somebody brought in because they, they tried to say, well, if you don't want to get saved this way, if you don't want to have, you know, if you don't want that, that, that life this way, then this god over here will let you do it this way and then look at today's world if you don't want to do it this way or this way there's I'm not going to say names but it wouldn't take you long to figure it out there's there's a television preacher who sat down in an interview and said well we're all going to the same God it doesn't matter which way you get there and he's not the only one that's saying that but that's not what God's Word says. And as Paul was trying to encourage them to keep standing for the faith, to just keep on keeping on, to not be ashamed of the gospel as I'm not ashamed, to, 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 to just deliver that message, 
the same thing should be said today to American Christians. Stand firm. Just give the gospel. Don't be ashamed of it. Don't hide behind any other way. Yes, the whole world is messed up. The whole world thinks they got it figured out. The whole world thinks they can get, get to God or whatever God they believe in in any way they can. But there is only one way. And we can't remain silent for it. We can't be silent about it. <coughs> the, I know verse 16 is great, but verse 14 really stuck me as I was going through the study. Is he's, he's not saying he owes Christ or owes God. He's saying he owes it to the world. And there, there's many different ideas of what he meant here. And um, I, I'm still not 100% on exactly what he was trying to say by being a debtor to the Greek and to the barbarians, other than the fact that, that the simplistic fact that he owed them the gospel. But the way I, a real simple idea here is look how long he fought against God and pushed folks away from the Lord by tearing down the churches and, 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 and persecuting Christians. And now he says, look at all the damage I've caused. I owe it to them to tell them that I was wrong. I owe it to them to tell them of this Savior who loves them. Look how far I went this way. I owe it to the world. For the damage I caused here, I owe them the hope and the peace that only Christ can bring. For, for the problems I caused over here, I... I owe them the free message of the gospel. And no, I'm not Paul. I didn't put nobody in jail. Yeah, I didn't put anybody in jail. I didn't I didn't I didn't beat anybody for, for their faith. I didn't do you know, I didn't do any of those things that Paul did. But I did lead a, a lot of people astray before I came to Christ. And there's a whole lot more people that need to hear the gospel. And the only way I'm going to be able to fulfill that debt is I can't do it on my own. I cannot save them. I cannot make their lives whole. But if I go out like Paul introduced himself as a servant, separated to the gospel of God as a bondservant giving up my will to fulfill the will of the Father then there might be hope that somebody might hear the truth there might be hope that at least a little bit of that debt will be made right <coughs> this morning I challenge you to do the same and regardless of whether you led a lot of people stray or not I think we all owe a debt, if you will, uh, uh, morally. If you if you want to, however you want to describe it, this free gospel that we don't owe anything to the Lord for because He paid it. We are reconciled to God according to Scripture. Born again believers, we are reconciled through salvation. That term reconciliation. I don't want to get too far ahead of myself because I know it'll come up later on. That, but that term reconciliation is simply this. 
to, to set things right. When you reconcile a debt, that debt has been paid. When you reconcile your, your checkbook with your bank statement, you're, you're making things even across the board. What, whatever that reconciliation is, it's, it's more of a, 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 an accounting term, but it's the term that God used to describe our place in Him after being born again. We were made whole, made right, made, made back to, put back into that relationship with Him. <coughs> so there's no debt to God. That's paid in full. But now we owe a debt to others to give them the same hope and the same chance and the same promise that we were given. And I'll, I'll, I'll close with this. When it goes to, he, he said, he, he, said he, he, he desires to be there in Rome to preach the gospel to them, to, to, to see fruit abound to their account, to, to, to be able to gain fruit with them. But at the same note, he was still sharing the gospel everywhere else he went. He didn't say, Rome is the only place I'm going to share the gospel. He said, well, until I get there, because I've tried, I've purposed to be there, but I've been let hitherto, I've been kept from coming there. He's still serving and delivering that same message all along the way. He wasn't picking and choosing who he was going to give the gospel to. I know I've preached about the, the, the sower and the seeds, you know, they just scattered the seed and where it fell is where it fell. That's the way we need to treat the gospel until we get to you may have a place or a person that you have a strong desire to be able to get the gospel to. But until you get there, you can still share the gospel along the way. You still have the goal to get there. Have the desire and the drive to get there. Personal illustration. When God made it clear that I was to be here, that didn't mean I stopped preaching the gospel down in Georgia. That didn't mean I stopped serving God down there until I got here. No, I, I continued every open door, every opportunity to be able to share the gospel with someone or to preach and to encourage someone through His Word until I got here. Because how foolish would it be to miss all those other opportunities that God puts before us? Because I'm a debtor both to the Greeks and to the barbarians, both to the wise and the unwise. Y'all know, I, I know y'all know it. Dave Ramsey, you know, I'm debt free, you know, all that, the, the debt free scream and all that. We'll, we'll, we'll be rejoicing one day because our debt will be, we'll be free of that debt to others, but it's not until we're not here anymore. As long as we're here and we have breath in our lungs and people before us, then we owe them the gospel, the same gospel that we were given freely. <coughs> so, again, I encourage you, I challenge you, I, 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 I'm not much of a beggar, but I do ask you to try and go out and relieve some of that debt by sharing the gospel with someone else, even just today. So, dear Lord, I just thank you again.